This morning, God has a word for us. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, there is a word that God has for you. Amen. As we are celebrating the International Women's Day tomorrow, I was going through some passages in the Bible, and I felt that the Lord had led me to speak about some of the important characters, women in the Bible, who were great influencers, not after Jesus' death, but during the time of Jesus and with Jesus. Amen? Women had a place in God's kingdom here on earth as well as in the future in heaven. Amen? So I want to take a moment and talk about that. And I am really excited. And this is going to be a blessing for the men as well. Because we need to understand you know, who you're married to. You need to understand who you're going to get married to. All right? You need to understand the women that God has already placed in your life. All the mothers. Right? You need to understand who God has placed in your life. And the more you understand, the better it is for us to treat them right. The better it is for us to pray for them. The better it is for us to, you know... Um, Walk with them in the purposes of God. Amen. So my title for the sermon this morning is Kingdom Women. Amen. Kingdom Women. Every woman has a place in God's kingdom. They are not the second choice. They are not somebody that is supposed to be forgotten in the church or in the world. God sees them equally loves them equally, and uses them for God's glory equally. Amen? I remember reading an autobiography of a very, very powerful um, man of God called Benny Hinn. How many of you know or heard of Benny Hinn? Yes? You've heard of Benny Hinn, you would have seen his ministries and all that. So I was really fascinated when he came to India. There were over 7.1 million people gathered in, the, uh, in Elahanka grounds in uh, Bangalore. And I, I was there for the, for the uh, crusade and it was absolutely amazing. I just looked around and I thought, oh my goodness, how can one man attract 7.1 million people in one place? Bangalore was jammed. Bangalore is always jammed. Uh, but <laughs> Bangalore was almost in absolute, you know, shutdown because people were pouring in from every part of the country. Flights were booked. Flights were booked out because they were all coming for Benny Hinn's meeting. So it was so powerful. So at the end of the meeting, I thought, why is it God is using this man so powerfully? So I bought, I, uh, you know, I bought his autobiography and I started reading it. And I found out that he had an amazing mentor that God used in his life so that he can get too close to God and he can find God's purposes and the anointing. And her name is Catherine Kuhlman. It was amazing to find out that a most powerful man of God of our times had a powerful woman of God behind him to mentor him, support him, and lead him. The moment I read that in the second page of that autobiography, you know what I did? I closed his book and I bought her book. If, if anybody from Benny Hinn Ministries, if you're watching this, 
I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and I bought her book and I started reading her book and she talks about how she was mentoring Benihin as well and he, she was saying once that Benihin walked up uh, to her room and said, um, you know, I went for a powerful meeting. I was praying the night before for more than nine to ten hours. Nothing happened. There was no healing. There was no miracles. You know, there was no, uh, you know, overflowing of God's presence. Nothing happened. I don't know why. You know what Catherine Kuhlman said? She looked at him and told him, you just pray too much. You just prayed too much. You went on that stage thinking that simply because you prayed for 10 hours, that God is subjected to the length of your prayer. Yeah. God is not subjected to the length of your prayer. He moves when he has to move. So Benin asked uh, her, so what do I do? When you go up to Crusade the night before, just sleep for 10 hours. Get up there, pick the mic, and just say, come Holy Spirit. That's the moment his ministry changed. Amen. God has used powerful women from time to time to use even the men of God in the kingdom of God. Amen. So if you are sitting next to a woman, look at them and tell them, you are a kingdom woman. And I am so privileged to sit next to you. Okay, great. Oh, we're going to look at four, uh, three to four characters from the Bible. And I want to take you on a journey with me. So if you have your Bibles with you, be ready. And, and let's go to John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, we're going to look at a faithless woman who became faith-filled women. You see, the story is about the resurrection of Lazarus. And there were two important women who were involved in the life of Lazarus. That was Mary and Martha. And after the death of their brother, they saw that Jesus did not turn up. Jesus did not come. And, and heal him while the message was sent to him saying that, you know, he is sick. In fact, Jesus stayed back for another three to four days and he came late. There is a reason behind that. The reason is during the time the Jews believed that after a person is dead, their spirit lingers around or the breath lingers around or the soul lingers around for three days. So Jesus purposely waited so that even that superstitious belief will not hinder the miracle and the faith that needs to be resurrected. And he comes to uh, Bethany and we see a couple of responses. The first response was from Martha. Martha comes running out to him and saying, oh Lord, if only you were here, things would have changed. If only you were here, things would have been different. Now he is dead and he is in the tomb. And then Mary comes. Mary comes, uh, and the word, the name Mary means rebellion. She comes, she falls at the feet of Jesus. She cries, she worships and says, Lord, I wish you were here earlier as well. But when, when Martha was crying... And Mary was crying. The Bible says, this is the 
shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He was a man of compassion. Just because he knew that Lazarus was going to, you know, be risen again, he did not say, stop crying, you people. No, he related with the emotions of the women. Now, all the men in the house, listen to me. Let us not, let us choose to decide today. Let us not label women saying that, oh, just don't be emotional. They process emotions differently and we process it differently. This doesn't mean that men are not emotional. In fact, men can be worse. Right? I'm hearing some yeah, yeah. So, what we do, because if I'm preaching about kingdom women, I need to be talking to the kingdom men as well. What we need to do is to relate to their emotion. Cry if you have to cry. If you really can't cry, at least fake it. Try to relate to them. Don't say anything. At least sit with them. At least listen to them. At least let them wet your shirt. Like let them cry on your shoulder. Take them out for some food after that. Just relate to the emotion. Jesus wept. He did not shun down because the most, the highest emotion that was there at that time was from the two women. They were crying and Jesus wept. He connected to their emotion and he expressed it as well. A Jewish man to cry in public is not normal. That too simply because two women were crying. That's not normal in Jesus' time. We need to have a kingdom lifestyle. And treat our women in our families as kingdom women. And now, fast forward. Martha goes and Jesus is saying, okay, remove the stone. And again, Martha is talking with her unbelief saying, reminding Jesus. Jesus, he's been in there for four days. It would smell. And Jesus asked her a question. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? This is the question God wants to ask to every woman here, both in person as well as online. Do you believe him? The him is not your father. The him is not your husband. The him is not any other friends who are influencing you in your life. Above them all, do you believe in him? The great I am. The one who created you. The one who called you. The one who loves you unconditionally. If you can believe him, all other human relationships will be healthier. 
And this is the same for the men as well. Do you believe in him? Not for namesake. The moment Jesus asked that question, Martha got out of the way. Her faith was woken up. She was ready to see the resurrection power at work in Lazarus' life. Are you standing in hindrance for a resurrection miracle to happen in your life? Because of your doubt. Because of your unfaithfulness. And the Lord is looking at you and he's asking you to, today, do you believe me? Daughter, do you trust me? With your finances, do you trust me? With your health, do you trust me? With your daughter and your son, do you trust me? With your husband, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you believe in me? Do you have faith in me? If you say yes to that question, then God is saying, okay, move out of the way. Move out of the way. Don't try to do things on your own. Just move out of the way. Let me move in your life. Can somebody shout amen? amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 8, verse 40 to 56. The second woman I want to talk about is about a wounded woman. She was a wounded woman, but she was healed by the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We look at a woman here who was suffering with the issue of blood. In Luke chapter 8, verse 47 and 48, it says, When the women realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she touched him, why she touched Jesus, and that she had been immediately healed. And verse 48, this is what Jesus calls her. And this is how Jesus is calling you today. You might be wounded. You might have an issue in your life. You might feel like I am absolutely, you know, unimportant. I am rejected. If you're feeling all these emotions, this is how Jesus is calling you. As he called this woman in verse 48, he's calling you my daughter. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Whenever Jesus speaks, he speaks to the identity of who you are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't call you as how others call you. He doesn't label you with your weakness. He didn't call you, hey, hey lady, with the issue of blood. I don't know your name. Can you introduce yourself? That sounded like a rap. He didn't say anything. All he said was, daughter. First thing, you are my daughter. Second thing, I know who you are in Christ Jesus. In other words, I know your faith. I see you from the inside out. Not from the outside in. You got to understand, this woman with the issue of blood was declared as an outcast. She had this disease and the Jewish society had labeled her and declared that she is ceremonially unclean women. If you are having this kind of disease, you will not be allowed into the temple. You cannot stand near any man. You need to be indoors. Ceremonially unclean. So Jesus stopped on his tracks for a ceremonially unclean woman. 
Because even the moment he felt that a power left him because she touched him, he understood this got to be my daughter. Hey, if you are going through something, can, you, can I just encourage you with, with one word? Just reach out and touch him. Just reach out and touch Jesus. Nothing else. Reach out to him in prayer. Reach out and touch him. And the moment you touch him, the Lord will know. He will stop in his tracks because he knows that it's his daughter. He knows it's his son. You know, I got to tell the truth. And I don't know if this is going to go down well for me today. But anyway, I will take some chances. Lord, help me. In the beginning of our marriage, in the first year, even if I'm at work, <coughs> at church office, most of the time, Jamie was with me. But if she would call me, I would answer. I would tell her where I am or if she wants to say something, you know. Then later, over time, you kind of get used to the fact that what the call is about. And you know that you can call back later. So you would, you would kind of like, um, okay, I'll call you back. I'm being honest, right? So I was doing that for a while. And then after our daughter was born, I started getting calls. This, I can already feel that this is not going to go well for me. Please pray. I started getting calls. And then three missed calls, four missed calls. I'm like, what is happening? So I would answer, and then she would say, you know, um, your daughter wants to talk to you. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to get used to this now. And then my dad would call or my mom would call. Whenever she's with my parents, my mom would know that I'm in a meeting or I'm busy. But still they would call and I would not answer before. But now I answer because I know that the call is from my... I know, it's not going to go well for me. But stay with me in this illustration. This is exactly what God does. When you reach out to him, no matter what is going on in the kingdom, he knows that is his daughter calling. He knows it is his son calling. He would stop in his tracks and he would pick up the call. Because, simply because it's you. Whew, safe landing of the illustration. Reach out to him. You are not called to suffer alone. You are not called to be excluded. You are included in God's family. That's why life groups are so important. We have some amazing women of God in this house who are leading amazing life groups, doing amazing work here. And I'm so proud. In fact, in our leadership team, we equally have women. In fact, we have more women than men, I guess. Um, and it's amazing. It's amazing to see what God is doing in and through their life. And I want you to point out something in the same passage in Luke chapter 8, towards the end of that chapter, you see there is another miracle happening. It's the resurrection of Jairus' daughter. Now there is a parallel that is between these stories. The woman who was suffering with the issue of blood, she was going through this sickness for 12 years. For 12 years. 
Once Jesus healed her, once the power of God healed this woman, the daughter of Jesus, after that, he goes to Jairus' house to resurrect a girl who is 12 years old. The parallel is that God loves unconditionally both the young and the old. He's the God of the present. He's the God of the future. Amen? So Auntie Prema is equally important with the youngest girl in this room, Catherine. He works among generations. He is loving them equally and unconditionally. And he raises Jairus' daughter. Both He values all ages, both the young and the old. Go with me to John chapter 4. Go with me to John chapter 4, verses 1 to 30. We're not going to read these verses. It's about the Samaritan women at the well. She was a marginalized woman. But she found love, the love of God. She was, she was a woman who was also ignored, who was also rejected. Samaritans were not accepted. They were considered as untouched. So when a Jew has to travel, he would travel around Samaria. They would not even walk through the town. For Jesus to go through the town, for Jesus to stop, for Jesus to stop and talk to a Samaritan woman, for Jesus to stop and talk to a Samaritan woman and ask for a cup of water is totally unusual. Don't you love when God just does unusual things? That you just don't expect, but he just does it. And if you see this, you know, Jesus, he had to cross the barrier of culture, cross the barrier of religious divides for the soul of this one woman. Of this one woman. That day, she found salvation. She found God. God healed her, brought her out of her un, you know, unclean lifestyle. Samaritans were actually considered as unclean people. If you feel you are marginalized, if you feel that you are put aside, if you feel that you are pushed aside, may, maybe because of culture, maybe because of, of family, maybe because of your workplace, maybe because of a boss who treat women badly in the workplace. Wherever you are feeling rejected, pushed away, I want to speak to all the women and say, hey, stand up for Jesus. Don't let anyone push you around because you are loved by God. You are chosen, you are accepted, and if God can cross all the barriers of culture and religious divide just for the soul of one woman, the Samaritan woman by the well, to be saved, what more God will do for you? Come on, somebody speak to me. Say amen. amen. What more God can do for you? He can do greater things. This is what I love about our church, that we are all from, we are actually multicultural church. We are from different backgrounds. We are from different cities. Some of us are from different countries. And the most amazing thing is that we all have the same father who accepts us all equally. So we treat everybody equally. There is no marginalization. 
God can use anybody and everybody at any time. You are loved. Go with me to Luke chapter 8. And I'm going to wrap up with this story. Maybe Sam can join with me on the keys. Luke chapter 8. It's talking about Mary Magdalene. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 to 2. Soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them was Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out how many demons? How many demons? Seven demons. Seven demons. I mean, I can't deal with one demon. Like one demon in me. I'm not, I'm talking about in me. Please don't get any wrong idea. Can you just stop playing quickly, man? <laughs> All of us have various demons that we are dealing with. In you, stick with me. <laughs> Don't think about anyone else. And, and this lady, she had seven demons in her. God casted it out. Jesus casted it out of her. And right after that, you know what happened? She started serving Jesus and following Jesus. Mary Magdalene is from a town called Magdal, one of the wealthiest town. So the scholars say that she was actually a rich woman. She was actually a rich woman. And what she started doing is that along with other women, if you read the continuation of uh, Luke chapter 8 in verse 3, there were other women who were also present from whom Jesus had delivered them and they started becoming financial sponsors for Jesus' ministry. Kingdom women. It is not just the men who can support God's ministry and be leaders financially. Women, you can also be strong entrepreneurs and support and give to God and give, you know, bring glory to His kingdom. I love that fact. I love that fact that Mary Magdalene, you know, was supporting Jesus and following through it all. Another fact about Mary Magdalene, if you go to John chapter 19, uh, uh, chapter 19 verse 25, you know, because she was forgiven so much by Jesus, because she was accepted so much by Jesus, because she was loved so much by Jesus, she followed Him even to the foot of the cross. 